resort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And tonight's lesson will be entitled, Distractions. Distractions. You may be seated. Distractions is defined as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. It also is defined as extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. A thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Now, for those that are parents of teenagers, feel my pain. You begin to instruct them, Brother Charles, and they're looking dead at you, but there's this glaze that comes over their eyes. And they might be looking at you, but their mind sure ain't there. It's on a while back 40 somewhere. Okay, maybe that don't happen to none of your kids. It certainly didn't mine. You have special children. Count your blessings. You tell them something and it just it just don't seem to register. It just just kind of floats off. Or maybe you're driving down the highway like I was a couple years ago, heading down U.S. 69 South, heading toward Beaumont, and I was just coming into Huntington. And I'm not one to speed. I'll drive the speed limit. But somehow or another, I missed that last sign. I got distracted. Me and Sister Motes was talking about something much more important. And I topped that hill just before that first red light. And there he is, ready to give me a citation, an invitation to pay a ticket, $320. Distractions. Just didn't really have my mind where it should be. 
Even though I'm going in the gentle direction, there's still there's something else that keeps diverting my attention this direction or that direction. Finals at Texas Bible College. I got a couple of students in here to feel my pain. Where's where Carriana go? There she is back there. Finals. And you're trying everything in your power to focus on that test. But yet there's something that keeps nagging at you, you know, that you got something else you need to do and your mind just kind of locks down. And it seems as though the gates of knowledge slam shut. Distractions. We start by living for the Lord when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we start our walk with the Lord. Many of you have been walking with the Lord many, many, many years. And as time begins to transpire, after a while you don't even realize it, but there are distractions that begin to be presented. Things to get your eye off the road. Now, there, my mind goes back to a, a book report that I had to do in high school. Now, this was high school in correspondence with ACE, which is now the school of tomorrow, I think. And had to read Pilgrim's Progress. And Christian was the star of that novel. And it tells how that he goes down this road and that road and runs into all kind of trouble. And we as children of the Lord, we tend to find ourselves distracted and running down what I would call pig trails. And before you know it, you've completely lost your complete bearings as to the way that you should go. Your, your direction has now completely been upended and now you really are not sure where you're headed because you see distractions cause confusion. Paul said, I'm, now time is coming. I'm ready to be offered up. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have kept my focus on what it should be. Now, I had to run this race with patience. Why would he say patience? Because there are things that tend to get you off the mark. Distractions that remove you from your goal. And it causes you to have to double back and spend more time than you normally would have to. Uh -huh. Distraction causes confusion. So therefore, distraction is not of God. Because God is not the author of confusion. 
But my dad always put it this way, and it's worth repeating, but he is the master of every situation. He's not the author, but he's still in control. Distractions can cause confusion. If you allow things to get into your system to dissuade you one way or the other, it's kind of like, you know, you're driving, but yet you're looking somewhere else. My grandfather had that problem. He'd be driving along talking to grandma, and he'd see maybe a cow here in the pasture. Well, guess where his his hand kind of went that way? Whichever way he's looking, that's kind of the way his steering wheel would go. And Grandma had to say, Tommy, get your eyes back on the road. Nowadays, you go down the highway and you see somebody going well below the speed limit. This is not always the case, but it seems like it becomes more and more these days. When you finally get enough nerve to pass them, you glance over. They're distracted. They're distracted. Young lady used to attend this church back 2014. You remember Sabrina? On her way home, and I've been down that road. You know, it's a straight road. It's not one. Of the, it's not like 227 going toward Grapeland. I've often said I felt like a drunken Indian laid that road out. I mean, that's the curviest road. You know those games where you where you you race your vehicles on on the computer or on PS4. They must have followed a pattern from that road over there, because I'm telling you, it's just like this all the way. Well, Justin tells me he goes through a set of tires a year riding the road down through there. But the road in which Sabrina went down is, is really quite straight, honestly. And I don't know if they ever did come to a conclusion, but my guess would be that either she was distracted from something. Maybe a deer run out in front of her, and she got distracted at the animal and just wandered off into the tree. Don't really know. But whatever the mistake was, it was fatal and it cost her life. There are distractions that happen that will cost you your soul. Oh, well, you know, it's something just minor after all. I, I still got my hand on the wheel. I, I still got my direction. Are you sure about that? Because in a split second, your life can change. When you take your eyes off of the goal and you put it somewhere else, you'll find that suddenly you can be in stark danger in a moment's time. Because distraction causes confusion. And confusion breeds deception. We go from distraction to confusion to deception. Why do people walk away from God? Well, I'll tell you, it's not that they decided just one day out of the clear blue that they just quit walking with God. That didn't happen. 
Don't happen. If a child of God has tasted of this wonderful gift and knows the joy of the Holy Ghost, and when you get the Holy Ghost, friend, you're going to have joy. Praise God. Joy is not all of it, but it goes right along with it. And if you have tasted this wonderful gift, you're not soon to walk away from it, no matter what's coming your way. But it takes a period of time, and it usually will start with a distraction. David, a man after God's own heart, you won't find a finer man. He wrote most of the book of Psalms. Asaph wrote some of it. Some of it's unattributed to anyone. But David wrote a good bulk of the book of Psalms. And in case you did not know, those Psalms are songs. So he was a songwriter as well. He was a musician as well. A very talented man. A man that loved God very much that stood against a a giant when no one else would. And did great things and was able to keep himself humble before the Lord. But there came a day when it was time for kings to go to war David stayed home. I'll let Joab handle this. Joab's my cousin. He's got it handled. Man, they can run that thing without me. I don't have to worry. I, you know what? I, I think I've paid my dues. I'm going to just take a little vacation. Don't misunderstand me. Ain't nothing wrong with vacations. They was, I was already a, be in big trouble. But I'm talking about allowing a distraction in your spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Just a little bit. Song of Solomon 2.15 says the little foxes, foxes that spoil the vine. It's just the little things, those little distractions. You know, when something big and hideous comes our way, we're going to hit our knees automatic. Something large and menacing comes your way to threaten your very soul's existence. you got enough good sense to know it's time to pray. But just a little bitty thing comes along. Something very minor comes along and it's not even worth looking at. And you let it stay there. It's called a distraction. That distraction is put there by the enemy. And if you're not careful, it'll cause you to fall away. What happened to David? Not a big thing, Brother Charles. I ain't committing no sin. I'm just staying home.
I've discovered if you really want to miss church, you can find a very, very valid excuse. And you can stay home. Now, this lady right over here I have the utmost respect for. How far do you drive to church? About 65, 70 miles. Because I know it's 35 miles to Walmart, Palestine, from, from around here. And you drive that thing, faithful. Faithful, she comes to the house of the Lord. You ain't got to worry, Sister Beth's going to be here. If she ain't here, you better be making some calls or some bad wrong. But if you won't stay home, you can find an excuse to stay home. David found a good one. After all, <clears throat> I'm king. And I, I've done all what they're doing long before they were doing it. And I probably taught most of them how to do what they're doing right now. So they're doing so good, they don't need me. I'll just stay home. And David stayed home. But then he got bored. My mom always told me that an idle mind's a devil's workshop. David stayed home and he wandered up on the roof. At a time, probably he knew better to go up there. You know the rest of the story. The Bible is quite clear. You know, that's the thing about the Bible. It don't just give you the pretty. It gives you the ugly too. So here we find where that a king named David, not only does he resort to just adultery, but then he's got to resort to murder and deception to cover up the adultery. All because of a little bitty distraction. Now, folks, I realize it's Christmas season and everybody's running six ways to Sunday at just about every day. And your, your calendar is quite full. And you got things going here and you got things going on. But I just want to remind you tonight as the voice of the Lord, you need to be careful because distractions can come and pull you into an area of confusion. And from confusion, deception is on its heels, not far behind. We can go from having a great, somebody said, how in the world can somebody go from um, having a powerful service on Sunday and then by Tuesday, Wednesday, they're all falling off the wagon. They already done something stupid. And, and uh, I don't understand why. I'll tell you why. They allowed a distraction to come. Let me tell you something. The worst, most dangerous time in your life that you will ever face is just after you've had a victory won. Just after the power of God has moved in your life and everything's looking better and you're feeling the power of God. If you're not careful, the devil will pull out his old bag of tricks and he'll get one called distraction and he'll pour it in your path. And if you're not careful and wise enough to look at what it is, 
you lose everything that you gain. Somebody's not hearing me tonight. You can lose everything that you gain. Ask David, it don't take long. It'll get out of hand. It'll get beyond what you thought it would be. So past, you didn't even realize it. Tell you another thing that distraction will do for you. It'll make you unstable. Give me Second Peter three fourteen, brother Adam. Distractions can make you unstable. Let's hear what Peter has to say about it. Go to verse 18 altogether. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may found that ye may be found found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Be diligent. That means be careful. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom giving, given unto him, hath written unto you. Mm-hmm. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. I'll pause right there. Now that's where Peter's talking about. Paul's saying, well, there's sometimes that when Paul speaks, it's hard to dissimulate what he's saying. I feel Peter's pain. I know exactly what Peter's talking about. He says, all things are hard to understand. Go ahead. Which they? Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Pause. So there's some things that Paul speaks about that those that are unlearned and unstable, the word rest. The word rest is not the same as R-E-S-T. This is W-R-E-S-T. This means to twist or to where we get the word wrestle from. To twist and to turn. To twist it out of shape and make it completely something totally different. He said, which they that are unlearned and unstable, they twist things. Go ahead. As they do also the other scriptures. As they do all the other scriptures. Unto their own destruction. It's to their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. If you're not careful, you'll become unstable, and you'll also fall with the error of the wicked. If you're not careful, go ahead. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So distractions can cause us to become unstable. And before long, if we're not careful, we start looking at Scripture differently. That's where that deception comes in. I just don't see it like you see it. I've got my own interpretation of that scripture. Well, there is no private interpretation of any prophecy, and all scripture is prophecy. 
You don't have your own personal private spin because that's confusion. I can't have my personal little uh, way of looking at stuff and and you have your own personal way of looking at stuff and you got your own way of personal way of looking at stuff and it's all totally different. Somebody's wrong. There's how many lords? How many faiths? How many baptisms? How many gods? But distractions will cause confusion, then deception, and then an unstableness. And that unstableness, according to Peter, he said they'll take scriptures, whether it be Paul's or other scriptures, and they'll... I got to make this thing work out like I want. I want that scripture to turn out like I want. I don't want to be convicted over that anymore. I'm going to turn that around. It don't really mean that. It means just something else. If any man have any contention then we'll just go ahead and, well, after all, if they've got a contention, I guess we'll go ahead and just agree with them. Is that what Paul said? How'd that go, Brother Charles? If any man have a contention, we have no such custom. We don't allow for folks to have contention about the Word of God. But distractions can cause you to vary just a little. You know, it doesn't take much. They say when they're making these PC boards and they're putting these chips and stuff in them, they have to have completely clean and spotless rooms when they put that stuff in there. Because it's so small that even the naked eye can't see really what they're having to do with those chips as they're putting all that stuff together. But all it takes is just one tiny little bitty molecule size spot of dust. And that chip is ruined. Your eye can't even see it. And that's why they're in those rooms where everything's vacuumed out and it can't be anything in the system and, and they got to be clean when they go in. Special floors where they walk on that it's, it keeps all the dust down. Why? Because it's, there's no room for error. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And when you're walking with Jesus, somebody not hearing me. When you're walking with Jesus, there's no room for error. Now, we have an advocate with the Father that if we stumble, that's what the altars are for. Hey, these ain't just for everybody else. These are for us too. Amen. And we come and we get the blood applied to us, and then suddenly we're spotless again. Now, does that give us a right to sin? How did Paul answer that? God forbid. 
No, we do our dead level best to walk in the light in which God has given us and remain pure and holy before the Lord. And when the devil brings distraction, you need to say, God, give me wisdom that I see that little speck of dust trying to light in my life and say, no, get out of my life. It may be little, but it'll cause me all manner of trouble. Distractions don't take much. James 1, verses 2 through 8. Brother Justin, good to see you back. Can you give me Genesis 49, 3 and 4? And Brother Charles, you got your Bible with you? I'm going to need Isaiah 26, 3 here shortly. Now I need James 1, starting at verse 2, and don't stop till you get to 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Cause? What is divers? That's an old English word. We don't use divers anymore, except for those that jump off a little springboard and go into the pool. But this divers is not the same thing. It's talking about unusual or different. Strange. Mm-hmm. To fall into unusual or different temptations. Go ahead. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith works patience. Mm-hmm. But let patience have her perfect work. Oh, but patience has a perfect work. Patience will perfect you. Now, we'll never be flawless till we step on the other side. But there's a part of perfection that means maturity. Mm-hmm. We can grow and mature in God. And that, as long as we're in a growing state. Now, when you stop growing, that's another story. But as long as you're growing in God, then you are in a state of perfection. Because you are moving in the direction of maturity. But let patience have her perfect work. Go ahead. That ye may be perfect and entire. That you may be perfect and entire or complete, wanting nothing. Next verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Paul is right there. How many has ever asked for wisdom? I remember what, remember what happens when you ask for wisdom. It's kind of like patience. It comes in the same package. When you ask for wisdom and you ask for patience, tribulation is soon to follow because that's the best way to learn it. (laughs) Any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Go ahead. That giveth to all men liberally. He'll load your wagon. And upbraideth not. He's not going to hold back anything. And it shall be given him. It shall. That's one of those immovable Irreversible words. It cannot be changed. It shall be given. Next verse. But let him ask in faith. Now let him ask complaining. No. In faith. Let him ask with a whine in his voice. No, Lord, you know how much I love you. In faith. You ever heard anybody do that? Have you ever done it? Don't answer. (laughs) God, you know I deserve it, Lord. God, put yourself in God's shoes. He's looking down at you saying, 
really? Amen. And so you don't ever do that, Brother Justin. It's just me. I'm the only one that does that. Lord looks at me, really, Richard? Really? You ain't asking in faith. You're begging. Let me tell you something. I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost begging. Ain't going to happen. Right. You don't beg God for blessings. You don't beg God for the Holy Ghost. You ask in faith. And you thank Him for it. You ask in faith. How do I ask in faith? What kind of faith? Next. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing what? Wavering. Now what does it mean to waver? Up one day, down the next I'm feeling good today. God can do it all. Next day, oh God, I don't know if I'll make it another day. You ever been around folks like that? I don't know. I'll tell you what drives me crazy. Oh, God's so good. Ain't he so good? Next day. Don't talk to me. I'm eating worms today. <laughs> Amen. Don't talk to me today. Devil's been on my back all day long. Bless his holy name. Let him ask in faith how, Brother Adam? With nothing wavering. So what does that mean? That means that no matter how bad it gets, my faith doesn't change with the circumstances. Right. Go ahead. For he that wavereth he that is wavers. like a wave of the sea. Like a wave that you've been out in the ocean, seen the ocean waves. Here comes a big one, but wait, it's big. But right behind it, it's all the way down again. Whoop, 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 there's another one that's coming. Up and down. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Go ahead. Driven with the wind and tossed. Driven with the wind and tossed. Notice, the wind drives them. I don't need the wind driving me. I need the Lord directing my path. I don't want to go in the path in the direction of the wind. It'll take me every which way. The wind is a distraction. Yes, it is. Just like Peter out there stepping out of the boat and he got distracted. Uh -huh. Just a little bit of distraction. He got his eyes on the wind and the wave and then there he went. Go ahead to the next verse. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Now wait a minute, Lord. brother. Brother Adam, are you sure that's how that reads? Yes, sir. You mean to tell me that James is telling us that if we got a problem like verse 6, that we don't need to go any further? Absolutely. If my faith is described like verse 6, then verse 7 does not apply to me in any form, shape, or matter. It's in the book it applies. For let not that man, what man? Verse 6 man. Right. Think he shall receive a little bit of blessings of the Lord. Anything. Oh, I'll get something. You ain't get nothing. Five million times zero is how much? Zero. It's still zero. That's how much you'll get from God if you have wavering faith. Mm -hmm. And how many times on Sunday night we riding that high, man. Oh, I'm on the top of the wave. I got my surfboard. Man, I'm hitting it high tonight. Then Monday, I'm at the bottom. I'm somewhere down under the ocean. 
Why surf board if you can go to yonder somewhere? And yes, I surf fully clothed. The problem is I don't surf at all. <laughs> but I didn't want you to get an image that I was in my shorts. As I, that's not going to happen. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. <laughs> I think we got one more verse, don't we? I got everybody awake anyway. How about that, Sean? Is that all right? Okay. Verse 8. A double-minded man. What? Is un- a double-minded man. Boy, I tell you what, James is kind of, he's plain spoken, ain't he? What would you like to have him as pastor? Plain spoken. You didn't have to go around saying, you know, I wonder what Brother James was talking about tonight. I just can't get that in my head. What Exactly what Brother James was saying. Amen. Plain spoke. He wasn't like Paul. You know, well, Paul get in these mysteries sometimes. And I was in the I was in the third heaven and all of this kind of stuff. And no, 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 not not, not James. Plain spoken. A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Distractions cause you to become unstable. They've caused you to become double-minded. You got a mind after God on Sunday, but you got a mind after the flesh on a Monday. Somebody turn my mic off. Oh God, we got to have our minds where they're supposed to be. But you don't understand, Brother Motes. Tonight's not like Sunday where we have, we was on that high crest, and. And so, hey, we, it may be hump day tonight. Wife may not be feeling well. Some are home still sick. But you still got to believe God for what you believed on Sunday. Lest you have that double-mindedness about you that comes from distractions. And the distractions on a Monday can't, you don't need to let them distract you from what you got on Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Genesis 49 and 3. Now, we're loading you down with some meat tonight, okay? Give you something to chew on the rest of the week. Is that all right? Go ahead and read that for us. Now, this is Jacob as he's a dying, and he's blessing all his kids. Now, he had himself quite a family. Now, them boys, especially them older ones, whew, Here he is addressing each one. Reuben, thou art my firstborn. My might. The beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity. And the excellency of power. Wow. Reuben's thinking, hey, that's me. Talk about me. Next verse. Let's see what he says now. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. You said all that other stuff. You done turned the corner. 
You mean to tell me he's the beginning of his strength and the excellence of his power and all these other big fancy $10 words? And now we come down to what? How can you have all those attributes and turn out like that? Unstable as water. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want God bragging on me and then turn a corner and say, by the way, let me, like Paul Harvey used to say, let me tell you the rest of the story. Unstable as water. However, it'll be all right. You're going to come out ahead after all. Read the rest of that for me. I don't know how to get around that one. You're not going to do good. Why? You can put two and two together while we're making this an X-rated message. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. This man became unstable. Even though he was raised by a very godly man that had a direct pipeline unto the covenant, the direct Adamic, excuse me, the Abrahamic covenant, he was connected directly to it, third in line. And here Reuben is the oldest. And, you know, by, by tradition, the eldest usually gets the best of the best of the best. Not Reuben. He allowed distractions to cause him to become what? Unstable as water. I contend that there are many that would serve God today except for one minor detail. It ain't the big stuff, at least not in the beginning. They'll sell their soul for just a bowl full of lentils, just, just a little something in there, just so they can have a little pleasure for a little while. Now, they got some good qualities about them. That's what makes us so sad. If there's a heathen, you know, it might not be so hard to take. But, they, you know, they're really good people. But they, they're unstable as water. Why? They allow things to distract them from their goal. I don't want to get to the great white throne of judgment and the Lord say, one thing thou lackest. What was that, Lord? The distraction caused you to lose out with that one thing. I've heard it preached before. Wouldn't it be a shame for you to spend your life living a holy life and denying yourself of all the worldly pleasures because you want to serve God. And you ladies, don't cut your hair and you wear your dresses modestly. You live a modest life. And then right at the last, some little something comes along. And puts a wedge between you and your God. Just a little something. Just a little something. 
Brother Charles, you're a woodworker. They go to felling those trees the old-fashioned way. The tree's got an odd lean to it, and there's something special right there nearby. You're going to have to get your special tools out. They call them wedges. Now, on one end, they might be that thick. But down there at the other end, near about as flat as it gets. Now, I reckon why it's like that. So that you can drive that thing in there, and it'll stay, and it'll direct the direction of that tree falling. The enemy does the same thing to us. Just a little distraction, he'll drive that wedge in there. Now, it may not fall as soon as the wedge goes in. Maybe some more work has to be done. But sooner or later, that wedge is going to play an integral part in that tree coming down a certain way. And the enemy knows this. And that's why he brings these distractions to you. They're not sin until you partake of them and you allow them to cause you to drift. Then they become sin. That's why we lay aside every weight and the sin. The weight becomes a sin. The weight's not a sin until it becomes sin. What does it become sin when we allow it to easily persuade us to change our direction? One last verse. Brother Charles has got it for me. Isaiah 26, 3. Hold that thought right there, Brother Charles. He says, Thou will keep him how? Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Peace that cannot be dissuaded. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, but there is a requirement. Whose mind is stayed on thee that means when the distraction comes and it tries to bump you out you know nope, put her back when something comes along and it tries to blow you out of the water nope nope I got to get back I got to keep my mind stayed on the goal I know that there's going to be this trouble and that trouble and this distraction and that distraction but nope I got to I got to put my I got to put my pointer back where it's supposed to be and stay on course because when I my mind has stayed on him it's because I have trusted in him now let's run this in reverse brother Justin Let's back that train up and backwards with motion. Thank you, Brother Charles. If I don't trust him, if I don't trust him, if I don't trust him, then my mind cannot remain focused where it should be, and I'll never know perfect peace. Come on. When we become distracted... We also stop trusting God. When you get distracted, the first way you know that you're truly distracted, you don't hear anything else I said. Hear this tonight. He's not bothering me, sister. Let him, let him testify. As long as you're hearing me, that's the main thing. If you're not trusting in the Lord... 
The best way to know that you're distracted is that you know that you're distracted because your trust level is going. It's leaving. When you stop trusting God, then you allow that distraction into your life and allow it to remain there. And when it remains there, then I can't know peace and I cannot focus my mind. Let it be stayed on him. I can't do that because there's something in the way. There's something that keeps making me stumble and it's that distraction that's in my path. It's that thing that the devil put there and I've allowed it to remain. And as long as I allow the distraction to remain, my my trust leaves me. My trust in God leaves me. When I read that, I thought, my God. Praise God. My Lord. If I allow distraction into my life, it means I can't trust God. You are the one that makes the decision. Somebody said, well, the devil made me do it. I'm going to borrow an old southern term here. Hogwash. Baloney. You got the devil fighting you. He's got a vote that he'll, he'll try to cast. If the Lord's in your life, he's got a vote. He's for you. He's got a vote he'll cast. You the tiebreaker. You get to decide where the distraction stays. You get rid of that thing. Because what happens is the distraction has a way of growing. It starts off as just a little bit of sand in your shoe, bugging you. Just a little bit of grit that just gets on your nerves. But as long as you put up with it for long, it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger until finally you can't get around it anymore. The giant that you don't slay, you'll serve. And if there is a distraction that is being put in your path tonight, and I don't know who I'm talking to, if there's a distraction being put in your path, you need to remember the words of your pastor tonight and get that thing out of your life while you still can. Because distraction, how does it go? Confusion, deception, and unstableness. When we become distracted, when we stop trusting God, Before you answer that, look in your heart and say, okay, is there anything that's stopping me from trusting God? Do I have 100% trust in God this night? If I don't, there's distractions there. And the distractions will cause me not to trust God. Stand with me. Lord bless you in the name of the Lord. If you would bring your offering as you leave, we didn't get to that. Brother Adam, I'll be kind enough to just set that down there.